0: I'm Robin. And I'm Wayne. We're investors at VMG Partners, and we help build iconic consumer brands.
1: Every day, some of the world's most fascinating founders share their stories with us before they've made it.
0: Their highs and lows. Mistakes and triumphs. But always extraordinary results. And
1: now we're sharing these stories with you.
0: This is Unfinished Biz.
2: What is the thing that you are trying to improve upon for them? What is it in their life that you are impacting and that you can make either drastically or even marginally better.
1: On this episode of Unfinished Biz, we sit down with Randy Christensen, co-founder and CEO of Necessaire, which designs the personal care items we truly need and that are good for our health and support our wellness. As a veteran of the cosmetics industry, Randy honed her branding skills working for both large and small companies and developed a keen understanding of what worked and what was missing. But when you're looking to make a splash in an impossibly crowded market, You have to take some big risks and follow your heart.
2: We believe that what has historically been an afterthought, let's try to put that in the forefront. Let's believe in it. Let's get behind it. Let's disrupt it. That's a massive bet.
0: Find out how Randy took what she already knew of the beauty industry and stripped it down to the necessary. How the brand was born and grew and why Necessaire feels having an environmental impact is just as important as keeping skin happy. Unfinished Biz starts now.
1: So, Robin, I'm really excited about this upcoming interview with Randy. Mm-hmm. I mean, since since this interview, we've subsequently made this the most recent VMG investment. Hashtag VMG right. family.
0: <laughs> that's right. And, and you know, I think there are a couple things that we really, really loved about this one. Obviously, we've had the, the two co-founders, Randy and Nick. They've got such great collective experience, both on the PR side of things, as well as actually having an extensive experience in Estee Lauder, uh, whether that's working at corporate, working at a brand, or actually being part of their venture group and integrating younger brands into the larger organization there.
1: I mean, they're really built to do this.
0: They're totally built to do this. And the other part really was just this focus on body. You know, it's an underserved space. People in prestige really haven't sort of attacked that yet. And sort of this mantra of treating your body like your face. I think that really resonated with us. That plus the fact that they've got a true, true perspective on sustainability that's skating to where the puck's headed.
1: And Randy joined us at our VMG offices in LA to tell us a little bit more of the backstory of how Necessaire came to be.
2: I would say my entrepreneurial journey began actually when I did start at Estee Lauder. Um, okay. I started at Estee Lauder, gosh, in many moons back. I was there for for approximately 15 years. Uh-huh. And I came in, I'm Scandinavian, I'm born and raised in Denmark, I I came to the US, came to New York and was lucky enough to be one of two I think that was the the very, very beginnings of, of, of an internal big training program they have that's called the Presidential Management Associate program. And you sort of
1: sounds very presidential. I it's <laughs> it's not. It's not. You're like
2: pretty much starting out, right? Um but um it was one of those rotating programs where mm-hmm. you learn a little bit about everything right. in beauty, and it's a it's Estee Lauder is a spectacular company, and it's a very very special honor to get to to kickstart your career in in beauty in um, at Estee Lauder, and I think after that year they were kind of like, so, you know, what um, what, what what where are we going to start? What what brand might right. you go to? And um, at the times, right, Estee Lauder brand and Clinique brands; these mm-hmm. were the big right. flagship brands. And they're like, "Would you, would you want to go there?" I'm like, "No, no, 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 no! I want to go to the smallest little thing." Um, and. Um, was lucky enough at the time to to join the Crème de la Mer team, which I oh, think okay. we were yeah. we were a couple of kids sitting in a corner somewhere with a with a white jar. Um, H-
0: how big was the business at that time around?
2: Ah, gosh, the business was probably thirty forty million, yep. maybe yep. at the time. Yep. Today, obviously, it's a massive business, so, yeah, right? gigantic.
0: Yeah,
2: um, and what was really awesome about that is that. Um, I first and foremost, I was young still, mm-hmm. and I had a few phenomenal people that that I were working with. But we really were spreading ourselves across every aspect of building a brand, right mm-hmm. from um, from the classic marketing aspects into education, into selling, into all of the things that um, later on, as a brand grows and you get all the disciplines in place, right. you have you have specialists, right? right? Yep. Um, but But, for me, at the time, I um, just had to wear thousands of hats and 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 sort of figure it out everything from supporting on product marketing to international expansion to storytelling of the brand mm-hmm. to creating the first education video to all aspects of it mm-hmm. um,
1: and did you stay with the brand all the way through your time at este
2: i i, I uh, did not. I had two stents at, at La Mer. I stayed there for about four or five years, the first and the first stent. Okay. Um, and then I actually went to the Estelada brand. And mm-hmm. at the time, Tom Ford had just entered um, the Estelada yeah. family. And I uh, actually worked on the first Tom Ford for Estelada collections oh, wow. <laughs> before he created his own brand. Right. So yep. that was also. In some ways, entrepreneurial because it was that first push of, right. of his beauty um, his beauty journey uh, with that, which then turned into you know a phenomenal other brand, so very entrepreneurial as well. I think the Le maire journey sort of just sparked a fire right yeah. around mm-hmm. sort of creating something, yep. starting something, seeing something from the ground ground up and there's, there's many journeys within a long journey, right mm-hmm. there is actually establishing a brand right. But then there is taking that brand and expanding it into new places, whether mm-hmm. it's a new channel, whether it's a new market, right, where it's launching for the first time. It's lucky to help launch Le Mer in China, as mm-hmm. an example. That's many, in many ways, that's a mini entrepreneurial journey within a massive, long right. journey so, of a brand.
1: So during your time at Estee, what do you feel like the top few things that you learned there that prepared you to start your own company?
2: Yeah, there's a lot of things I learned. Um, and there's a lot of uh, a lot of people from whom I learned. But there are probably a few what I would call frameworks that I think about often. One of them is to one of them is focus.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, I want to start there. I think it is, uh, profoundly important to understand that you cannot be everything for everybody. Mm-hmm. This is yep. a given, but it's a, one of the things that you very, very often can make a mistake at. Sure. Right. So I think, you know, being super, not super, but being crystal clear around who, who you are servicing and mm-hmm. a, what, what is the thing that you are trying to improve upon for them? Yeah. What is it in their life that right. you are impacting and that you can make, either drastically or even marginally better with what you do. That's, mm-hmm. that's one thing. It's a fundamental understanding of, of the who piece mm-hmm. and, and, and how you can enrich somebody. The second piece is to understand. I think this is a unique thing that I learned at Estee Lauder is that you cannot be consumer let. You cannot just go out and ask a consumer what do you want and then answer that question right. because mm-hmm. 10,000 people can yeah. do that. You have to be creatively led. Yeah. You have to be led by a by a unique point of view and a disruptive energy yeah. that nobody can replicate. Mm-hmm. And you have to understand that you lead that dialogue, and the consumer can inspire you, but they cannot lead you. Mm-hmm. So I think. Do you think on, big
1: companies are good at that?
2: No, not always. But I yeah. think Estee Lauder is, yeah. and mm-hmm. I think that's why they're stellar. Yeah. And I think it's one of the backbones of. Of how they think about servicing the customer in a unique way, yeah. instead of saying, you know, hey, we are going to be building out mascara,
1: right. they're
2: saying, no, we're going to be building out these very, very special brands that has a special place in people's hearts. Right. Uh, I think that's a um, critical learning, and when you start something, understanding that is critical. The second piece that I think is critical is the sort of the strategic framework. Of, um, you know, where – if you know who she is or he is and what – how how you are marginally improving their life, then it becomes about execution. Mm -hmm. And to me, you know, good strategy is about good choices. And to that effect, I think very much understanding the context that you're putting your brand into, understanding where to play. Yeah. And then turn around – and be incredibly crisp around what intersection of trends are you playing in and how are, those, how are you continuously learning and nurturing and understanding those trends and then responding to them. Mm-hmm. And that can sit in the product side. It can sit in the channel side. It can sit in the market side, geography side. Yeah. I love that. It's a big, big phenomenal learning. And the last piece is actually I'm using the word learning a lot, but I think curiosity. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this is something I take with me now having it makes launched necessary right. right is is <laughs> inquisitive yep. being inquisitive yep. and learning things are changing faster yep. now than they have and I think the pathways to learning it's is is something that's embedded in the culture there it's just you know how how much time are you taking out in your day to learn, whether it's a lunch, whether it's reading, whether it's whatever it might be. Right. And
1: related to curiosity, was there something that was missing, you know, from Estee Lauder that, that led to you starting a company?
2: You know, I had have, I have the scratch. Is that the right word? I had itch, that fire. Yeah, is, itch, yes, itch, yes, yes. But it's yes, yes, the scratch. I had, I, I had the fire. Yep. I think I had the fire all along, mm-hmm. I, and I think you, 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 have to have that. I just didn't have the opportunity. Yeah. Uh, I think my, my my husband is a entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. Um, he was an entrepreneur in the um, in the biotech okay. uh, in the biotech world. And I was the main breadwinner. Yep. I also had a couple mm-hmm. of children, right? Three, actually, not a couple. Three, right? <laughs> and I was the main breadwinner. Yeah, and mm-hmm. I was the insurance and the safety and all the things that comes mm-hmm. with establishing a family. Right. And I think the honest truth is that, um, A, I loved what I was doing. Mm-hmm. B, it was important in my family's space. And, and then one day he came home and he said, look, you can, you can jump. We're ready. Uh, We have, we, 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 I can pay the insurance now. Um, (laughs) And uh, he came home uh, about a couple of years ago, two years ago. And it went very, very fast after that. He came home, I would say, April, April, 2016, and said, said to me, Ran, I think, I think my business is in a place. I think you can jump. But I think that the, the. Did you have an
1: idea incubated at the time?
2: I had, I had thought of necessary a lot. Correct. Oh, interesting. Yes, and so we can we we're gonna jump we're gonna jump yeah. now to that. Yeah. I think when that opportunity kind of opened up, um, at the time Nick had joined me, Nick Axelrod, who's mm-hmm. my co-founder of mm-hmm. Necessaire, had had joined me at Estee Lauder, okay. and we had been together for a short while out here on the West Coast.
1: And what's his background?
2: He is he comes um, to beauty from the editorial space. Okay. Um he was at L he was at Women's Wear Daily and he was a co-founder of the blog that's called Into the Gloss. Okay. And he and I were working together at Estée Lauder and the honest truth was we were in Korea having beers in the airport and were messing around with beauty ideas huh. and and I was like here's one and 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 he was, he was toying around with, 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 with a men's line. And I think we looked at each other, and we were like, look, one plus one equal three. Maybe we jump on this, and, 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 and we do this. And we just sort of kick-started our journey.
0: I had no idea. It was hatched over beers in Korea. I know. No, it was no. hatched yeah. over beers in okay. Korea, right? Yeah.
2: And then, and then, and then it, it sort of started. Um, so I guess after 15 years at Lauder, at the La Mer brand, two stents a total of nine, ten years, Estee Lauder, the Tom Ford collections at Estee Lauder, and then um, a stint out here on the West Coast right. with ELC Ventures, yeah. I um, I jumped. And I think th- the beginnings of Necessaire is very much the napkin story, right? Yeah. You sit in Korea in an airport and you yeah. have a few beers. Uh-huh. And Nick was, was, was sharing some of his thoughts with me, um, in all honesty, around sort of a men's line. Yeah. And I was sort of sharing you know the thoughts around this idea of personal care items these essential items uh-huh. and i think when we started talking about how how might we create something that is you know could be unisex uh-huh. we know we know the female is is critical she mm-hmm. buys a lot of things um in beauty but i think we 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 the idea really did become better um by by sitting with it and talking about it and what necessary is is and, and became in those First two, three, four months of us of us sort of scalloping it. Like what taking, else did you consider? Peel, peels, peels onions. Peel, yeah. like peeling an onion, <laughs> right? Right. Is I think there is there's a few things. First and foremost, we we knew, right? We knew we wanted to do something in beauty. We yeah. both had these ideas, and then sort of how do you melt things? Right. I think that the number one thing that we, we considered was, you know, we are in a category that's full of abundance, right? That's full of choice. Uh-huh. That's yeah. full of of, of, competition. of just so much competition, <laughs> yes. choice, abundance, uh-huh. easy to enter. And I think that sort of became this idea of the necessary. Yeah. How how might we create something in this space that is profoundly different than right. just yeah. prolific? How could we, you know, think about creating the necessary, the mm-hmm. things we truly need in our everyday lives? And that became the beginnings and the idea of necessary and uh-huh. the necessary. Necessary the toilet is also the toiletry bag. Right. Um, so it sort of had that double meaning. And then I think, you know, being born and raised in Scandinavia and here comes the impact. Is, you know, at the time, I think it was a given, right? A couple of years ago, it was a given that if you were going to enter beauty at this point in history, at this point in time, you have to be clean. But I think something else that was crucial was this idea of sustainability for the brand. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that is is very much sort of a personal driver. Um, And so I think that became sort of an embedded an inherent value from day one and sort of became part of that first statement yeah. let's create something that's necessary in the personal care industry something people truly need and let's try to use our business to you know to make a good environmental impact and everywhere we can and we recognize that's a journey
0: and something that's interesting is you know, you've, you've mm-hmm. been in the space uh, you've got great experience And then you ended up choosing to go into a category, which was body, which is a bit atypical for what most beauty entrepreneurs would start with. Can you kind of walk us through? And I know that must have been a very calculated choice.
2: It was. um, I think, look, you look at it. You look at the intersection of trends when you start something, right? And you you sort of are like, okay, the necessary, okay, something where we can make an environmental impact. But now, where do we enter? Right? Right. Yeah. You sort of know. You you know where you you see the future. You see mm-hmm. the end game. Yeah. But then you sort of reverse engineer the journey, and how might we start in a way where well, we believe we can make the biggest splash? How yeah. can we make noise? How right. can we make and how can we also really do the things we said make a make a true impact? And uh, body in the beauty industry is notoriously hard. Mm-hmm. Like I always say, you know, big <laughs> bottles, big bottles, low prices, right? Right, yeah. Uh, it's not the little bottles on the high price point. That's right. right. So I, I say to my team all the time if we can conquer this, we can certainly conquer anything. Yes. We're starting yeah. the hardest place. Uh huh. But it was also a place that I felt, back to the learning point, having studied things, having understood it, understood the, 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 the sort of the industry, that just requires deserved something better
0: yeah
2: it was profoundly boring mm-hmm. profoundly snoozy mm-hmm. yeah. and it was it was always an afterthought right and we were like how might we think about this idea of treating your body like your face this idea that skin doesn't end at the neck right um this idea that you know personal care is self-care and how can we tap into this cultural movement around wellness that's yeah. happening and this is where we go back to intersection of trends, mm-hmm. this idea of clean, this idea of sustainability. But there is also wellness as mm-hmm. an overarching huge theme, our obsession with what we put in our body, yeah. with our juice cleanses, with our oat lattes and mm-hmm. all these things. And then yet… <laughs> We put parabens and shit all over our, you know, Your sorry body. for the bad no. for the bad yeah, word here, yeah, but like we true. put stuff yeah. Yeah. all over our body that yeah. is profoundly bad. And mm-hmm. I think for us, that was just a little sort of a stretch. It's like, is the timing right here? Can we have this dialogue? Right. Um, and I think um, to me, that is probably the one thing in this business that is, the most fun, actually, yeah. when it boils down to it. It's, it's, there's a lot of things that are hard. Right. But what's fun is to be in a place where you can really make a better product and you can really make an impact right. on people's lives and the way it feels. So mod- how did
1: you launch the product?
2: Oh, how do we launch the product? <laughs> um, so we launched Necessaire in uh, November of last year, okay. November 15th, um, to be exact. And uh it's a great question because at this particular time there is a lot of dialogues around, hey, do you do you do you start sort of the Facebook the Facebook way with a lot of, you know, paid marketing. Right. And we actually did the complete opposite. Nick and I decided to to really start the brand in, in more of the old school cult way.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Getting the product in everybody's hand. We just believed in our product. Yeah. And I think when you you know when you create something you believe is special, um who did
1: you define as your cult?
2: We defined we we took people there's two pieces to that there is uh influencers
0: mm-hmm.
2: um and I, by influencers, I don't mean the obvious pop culture influencers mm-hmm. I mean people that might be influential in their small subcultures um and I think we spend a significant amount of time identifying the influencers of the influencers, yeah. if that makes sense, right? And and there's a lot of diligence that goes into understanding who does the big personalities follow and right. who do they look to for inspiration. Yeah. Um, and I think we did a lot of homework in that area and it's one of, I think, our combined skills. Mm-hmm. We're very, very good at that. And I think we did that combined with who I think there's sort of three buckets, some analysis about who's the influences of the influencers we tapped into our own network right there's mm-hmm. nothing like people there's nothing like the people that that are close to you that yeah. loves you and that follows you, and that can become the first advocates of your brand, mm-hmm. yeah and I think the third piece is we went to the media mm-hmm. you know, I think both nigga and I are are fundamental believers in in the authentic dialogue around the product. Mm-hmm. And um, we, gave, we gave those three buckets of people, which turned out to be 500, 600, 700 yeah. people, mm-hmm. the product, and sort of just said, here it is. <laughs> and here's this vision of starting to right. treat your body like your face. And here's this movement we want to create around body care. Please join us. Right. And did you Help pick, us.
1: And did you pick a retailer or sell direct to consumer? Oh, good,
2: you... good question. Um, we started, we started uh, direct to consumer. Okay. Um, and that was our plan. And I think what surprised both Nick and I was that we were very, very fortunate to fastly have Violet Gray, which is a prestige beauty retailer, and also Goop. Uh, mm-hmm. By Gwyneth Paltrow, uh, come in and help us actually build the brand. And yeah. I think what I've learned is the profound power of uh, a retailer as an influencer, yeah. mm-hmm. um, and the partnership that, the benefit of the partnership that has for a brand. Mm-hmm. And so they helped us as well. So I would say you you start looking at at uh, the choices you make around who do you who do you share your product with, and and, and who do you put this. Product. Which which hands do you put this product into that you believe can actually help kickstart that movement with you?
1: And what have you found that you learned at Estee Lauder that you thought would apply that absolutely does not apply at all to this (laughs) business? You're just going into it, you know, being professionally trained in the beauty industry, Mm -hmm. but you know, being your first startup. What did you think that you? What do you think it would be like and, and what was the real and, and what was, the and reality? What, 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 what was well, different in reality
2: a lot of things I think I thought it would be easier yeah. than mm-hmm. it has been for sure mm-hmm. I think I thought I think you know in retrospective, getting your first customer yeah. takes a little bit of time uh-huh. And I think it's something I took profoundly for granted, yeah. being in a big company, <laughs> that you just have access to distribution. You just have access to consumers That's that right. are just at the front of your door, right? Exactly. Yep. And I think when you start something, you recognize that those first three, six months of getting the product out there, getting mm-hmm. your first customer, starting to spread the word, right. actually is hard. Mm-hmm. It's very, very hard. Uh, it's also very, very exciting. Yeah. I mean, it's the lows and the highs, right? But I I I think what I I, I think I took that mm-hmm. for granted actually, yeah. uh, so that made it harder. I think you know it takes a moment before you start selling a lot. You know, mm-hmm. and I, I don't think I had the appreciation for that because mm-hmm. I frankly hadn't been participating in right. that. I came in a little bit later. Right? Right. I had a lot of stuff. The other thing is that I've made a few calls to 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 people that I work with before. I don't think I understood the full breadth of what everyone, does. everyone uh-huh. does, right? What the legal team does and right. what the packaging team <laughs> yeah. does and yeah. what the supply purchase chain. order in the supply chain, right. right? And I think these these disciplines I have a completely new respect for that they either make or break a business. Right. And um, I think that as well, when you are sitting with a white piece of paper in right. every area of the business, a lot of time you speak about the concept. But there is also who's your supplier? That's right. What's the cost of goods? How are you going to buy this? How right. are you going to run this? How right. are you going to expand trade, this? Get the trademark. How are you going to get the trademark? Like yeah. all of those little things that makes a business become something mm-hmm. are you know are hard.
1: I think related to that point, you know, I'm sure at Este you didn't necessarily have to think about cash in the balance sheet. You know. Um,
2: <laughs> oh yes.
1: You know, that's the, true. That thing. There, was, there was probably always cash there. I yeah. mean, related to that. Right. How have you thought about fundraising? How have you funded this I, start?
2: Yeah, that's a that's a great question. I I think one thing that is that has carried nécessaire in all aspects and is a key reason for our success today is the choices we've made at every turn around the people that mm-hmm. we've led into the business, and that sounds. I shouldn't say let in that we've been humble and right. fortunate enough to invite into the business. Sure. I think is the right answer or the mm-hmm. right way to express that. I think we were fortunate enough to have some relationships mm-hmm. that kickstarted our yeah. ability to get that 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 first check, if you will, yeah. um, which was a few um, few of the best VC companies in in the United States. And we both Nick and I feel incredibly humbled that mm-hmm. they were would support us and and also support us so early. And I think and when
1: did you raise it? Was it before, yes, before we raised, you launched, after you launched, we, and how much did you raise?
2: We raised money right when we started to concept the brand. Okay. And one of the reasons for that is we also launched the sex gel, right, which is an FDA class two medical yep. device. That's mm-hmm. another very, very hard thing to accomplish, to get something to, through right. the FDA in the United States that's clean. Mm-hmm. So we were really, really bootstrapped the first year. It was just Nick and I. Sitting sitting at a we work at a rotating table to not take an office to begin <laughs> with to really yeah. use every single dollar wisely. Yeah, I think in our first fundraise, we that very first round, we raised one point eight million. Okay, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so that's about that. That's and, and where's the business
1: today, and where do you see it going forward?
2: Oof. the business today is that's such. A, I love it. The business is going to be huge. So let's start there. Let's start at the end. Okay. Um, I I I really. I really believe that now. I think there is – I think the name, the concept, the intersection of trends we're sitting on, the integrity around the product lends itself to a business that eventually can become a huge personal care play. Mm -hmm. That's one. Right. Today – We're right at the year one mark. Mm -hmm. The brand has, um, I think, proven its concept. It's sold well over 100,000 units. Mm -hmm. It is is in demand. Mm -hmm. I think you asked me before, what is one of the things, some of the things I learned at Estee Lauder, one thing I learned at Estee Lauder is create the demand and (laughs) then expand your brand. And I think we're at that exact point. Mm -hmm. I think we have this buzz and this demand and and now there are exciting retail partnerships on the horizon for the business that we can scale into because the consumer buzz and demand is there.
0: Um, just out of curiosity, because I know you're one year in right now, mm-hmm. how many people are on the team?
2: We are five people on the team today. Gotcha. Yes,
1: that's yeah. great. Yes, inclusive
2: yeah. of the two founders. Yes, mm-hmm. I mean that's, that's and then one, one freelance. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. certainly
1: one thing we talk a lot about. It's just you know. Too many Mm -hmm. companies build the army before the war. Yeah. And uh, it seems like you've been very efficient in how you're thinking about that.
0: And it's the same way that you talked about build the demand first. Yeah. And then you can actually, you know.
2: I think that's the key point, right? The key Mm. point is this goes back to that learning around, you you know, you have to be nimble. You have to be small. But you also have to recognize that you you have to have the consumer pull there Uh and expand into that. Um, And that also... That Not only does it pertain to the distribution, it also pertains to the way you spend money.
1: Right after the break, we'll be back with our featured guest, Randy Christensen.
0: Unfinished Biz is a VMG Partners production. Subscribe for free in your podcast app of choice and visit us at unfinishedbiz.com. Follow us on our Unfinished Biz LinkedIn page, and we'll keep you up to date on everything that's new. And if you love the show, let us know. iTunes reviews go a long way. But now, let's get back to our episode with Necessary Co-founder and CEO Randy Christensen. Has there been a bet the company moment at this point? I know it's only been a year.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's a hard one. I yeah. was. I. I don't think there has been, uh-huh. but I think what we spoke about earlier uh-huh. around. Launching into the category yeah. that everyone think about as the last thought uh-huh. is a is a bet.
0: That's huge. You're, and you're totally that right. is
2: I think the biggest bet that we have taken is to say, okay, we believe that what is historically been an afterthought, let's try to put that in the forefront, let's believe in it, let's get behind it, let's disrupt it. Yep. That's a massive bet when you enter into a category like beauty. Right. And I think the timing for us, I think it's, it's proven to be right.
1: Yep. -hmm. I mean, it's, it's a year in, is there a a particular most exciting moment for you that you've had?
2: You know, I think starting a business is like a, is like the sprint of the hour. Right. uh And so I think that's very, very true. I think every day there is highs and every day there's yeah. there's lows, it's it's how it feels that's very different than corporate too. Yeah. yeah. Right? You very much have a moment right. or a few moments in the years. When you're an entrepreneur, it's like, <laughs> whoa, that that was a high and that was a low today, so I'll start there. But I think Nick and I, we made it on the cover of Women's Wear Daily mm-hmm. and the header was like hot commodities. And I think we looked at each other and we were like, <laughs> this is amazing, yeah. right? We're a few months old. Right. And there's just something to this thing that we s- sat in Korea and discussed right. around these essentials and these personal care items and and and, and people are getting behind it, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think um this idea of, you know, buying less and buying better and buying more consciously and 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 knowing that every little purchase matters, like yeah. these, these thoughts and ideas that we had sort of been, been been playing with, I just remember that day. It was like, wow! Beyond the little sprints, the ups and downs, That's and right. some people knocking on the door, where you're like, whoa, wait, you, know. we're onto something here, right? <laughs> That's a big but, moment. but that that moment in yeah. beauty is a big moment yeah. because it sort of cements this idea. Yeah.
1: That's right. And, and you mentioned, you know, there's highs and lows every day. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, was there a particular low point where you you know where it's something that stands out in your mind or you or you ask yourself why did i leave estee lauder to go do this
2: i have days (laughs) i definitely have days where i've asked myself that particularly you know when you when you hit an obstacle i think funny enough and this this um i've been working on this one product for a really long time it's a deodorant Mm -hmm. it's clean and it does not have synthetic fragrance which synthetic fragrance is a Mm-hmm. hides a lot of stuff. But um I think Lowe's for us is the third time that product failed its pilot batched and oh. looks like spaghetti in uh, spaghetti in water and I was wearing the lab coat and the I'm trying big to imagine glasses.
1: deodorant that looks like spaghetti in water.
2: It, that's what it looks like. <laughs> Things oh, doesn't goodness. stick, right? Yeah. And yeah. I think for us um we just we know that one is going to be huge for us and yeah. and, and, and it's coming. I think we've so- sorted it now, so we'll see. Mm-hmm. Oh,
1: well, mm-hmm. that's big. I'm on the edge of my seat. Does yes. It sound, you know. But I think
2: that that when you work on products, right, they are a labor of love. Yeah, It, it, is, it sure. is very much a labor of love, and I think, I think we worked on that one now for over two years. So yes. I think I would say when, when you get those little moments along the way where you're like, whoa.
0: It's going to turn into a high point.
2: It has to be. That's right. That's right. Mm-hmm.
0: At this point, is there something that's keeping you up at night?
2: Yes. <laughs> yeah. There is. I think one of the biggest, I think I shared this to begin with, one of the biggest reasons we, we and I launched this business is, is to have an environmental impact. And I think the sustainability piece mm-hmm. is, is actually the one that, that for me as a small business that A, is trying to find its consumer, scale into distribution, and do all the things right. that it has to do. I think doing everything right at every turn is hard. Right. And to that effect, I think there are 100 little choices you make every day that impacts your sustainability mm-hmm. um, sort of promise that we have in the brand. And so what keeps me awake at night is um, I'm in body. I have to be in plastic, right, because right. I can't have glass bottles in the shower. We're going to – people <laughs> are going to get hurt, sh- right? That's You're right. Gonna, we're going to have other issues. And I think so there are – the things that keeps me awake at night is how can how can we as a team – be on the very, very forefront of what we said we were going to be. Yeah. And and deliver upon it, mm-hmm. truthfully yeah. and authentically. And how to that effect do we tell that story with profound integrity? Mm-hmm. There's a lot of noise in that space now, just like there was in Clean, right? For sure. Uh, around what does it really mean and what are you saying and, 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 and all of that. And I think that, that's probably the point in the brand that keeps me awake at night. hmm
1: Whoa, Robin. I mean, I think Randy really highlights a really interesting part of this, which is even when you're as prepared as... Someone could possibly be in Randy and her co-founder Nick with all of their amazing background at Estee Lauder. Entrepreneurship is still really, really, really hard. Always. And then on the other hand, it still starts in a very entrepreneurial way, even when the backgrounds are very corporate over beers in Korea of all places.
0: Yeah, I think we do hear a lot of themes, right? I think one of them also is the fact that you know, when you actually want to become a founder, especially if you have a family, it very much is a family decision. You have to really think about those dynamics of, you know, how do you actually set up that foundation that allows for you to chase a dream? And obviously, I think Randy was able to do that. And she's been able to balance I think, quite beautifully this idea of family as well as other pursuits. And, you know, I think for her, it's running.
2: I have a few rituals that I do every week. Oh, okay. um, I drive up to Topanga, um, uh-huh. and I climb up to uh, and I climb. I, I, I hike up to Eagle Rock, and then I run down. Uh, it's like a fast four or five mile thing. I do it once or twice a week, uh, and I typically do it by myself. Uh, hmm. This is sort of my time to get yeah. away and think and, yeah. and reflect and and cleanse. Uh-huh. I guess it's one thing. I and you
1: do it a couple times a week. I do
2: nice i do if i'm here i do yeah for sure uh, i'll jump in my car and do that i um I'm, I'm a i'm a mother right i have i have three children i spend a, I spend a lot of time <laughs> yeah. with my 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 children i, I think if you ask my husband I, I think you wish i spent more time with him but <laughs> <laughs> um but so i would say um uh, i would say being a mother um mm-hmm. and and um being a friend mm-hmm. i think being a mother being a partner being a friend and then uh, the little bit that's left goes to running and uh, hiking and being in nature. I used to play competitive tennis. Oh, really? Yeah. Six, I used to play five, six hours a day oh, every wow. day while I was a kid. Yeah. Oh. So uh, I, will, I will go out and hit a few tennis balls here and there. But nice. that's a rare occasion. Nice.
1: It is time for our signature game, Randy, our rapid-fire oh, game, 60 seconds. First thing that comes to mind. You ready?
2: Yes.
0: Let's do this. Do you have any funny nicknames? Ram. What's the most used
1: app on your phone? YouTube. What's your go-to karaoke song?
2: Dancing Queen.
1: Who inspires you?
2: Yvonne Channot.
1: Weirdest job you've ever had?
2: Volunteer at my kids' pop show, being (laughs) dressed up.
1: What or who makes you laugh? My husband. Do you have any hidden talents? Yes. (laughs) What's the last concert you went to?
2: Widespread panic.
1: Favorite meal of the day?
2: Dinner.
0: Did you get detention uh, back in school?
2: Yes.
1: (laughs) What is your preferred method of exercise? Hiking. Do you have any collections? No. Favorite card game?
2: Oh, I don't know the English name of that. (laughs) Ramo. I don't know what's going
0: on. Where in the world do you feel most at home?
2: In the mountains, until you ride.
0: What is your go
1: to Starbucks order?
2: Black iced coffee.
0: Do you talk to strangers on airplanes?
2: Yes. Favorite <laughs>
1: Sunday morning activity? Hiking. Do you have any pets?
2: Yes. Bull Mastiff.
1: Mm. Favorite time of the year?
2: Christmas.
0: Who's the first person you call when
1: you have exciting news? My husband. As a kid, what did you want to be when you grew up?
2: famous <laughs>
1: <laughs> those are great last question what advice do you have for aspiring entrepreneurs
2: I, I would say my advice for aspiring entrepreneurs is to for sure if you have, if you have the itch you have, you have to do it mm-hmm. and I think in this time I think doing it and, and, and trusting trust going the, dis, the, the way that's less traveled is, is key um, and while, while, you, while you do that, be curious and be inquisitive and learn and do it with a great understanding of your context and how you're going to improve people's lives. Mm-hmm.
1: Wise words. Well, Randy, thanks again for uh, being part of Unfinished Biz.
2: Thank you. Thanks. That was so fun. Thanks. thanks.
1: You've been listening to Unfinished Biz.
0: I'm Wayne. And I'm Robin. We'll be back on the next episode with Jens Greed, co founder and chairman of Frame, a premium denim line that's now expanded to an apparel and lifestyle empire. Everyone's telling you no all the time. And I'm thinking, but it's
1: Eric's in my company. How can you tell me no? <laughs> Why are you more scared than I? I have so much to lose.
0: (laughs) Frame Denim was born out of the idea that quality products speak for themselves, and Jens saw a market opportunity in a world of high-priced denim that just wasn't made well. But Jens is a long way from the little town in Sweden where he grew up and had to make some big bets as the Frame story unfolded. These are the opinions of Robin and Wayne and our guest entrepreneur and are not necessarily the opinions and thoughts of VMG Partners.
1: And now, a word from our lawyers. This is not an offer to buy or sell any investments. Entrepreneurs interviewed on this podcast may not be associated with VMG businesses, and discussions of their companies should not be viewed as an endorsement by VMG.